Trubisky isn't available either. Boy, oh boy, are we in trouble in a couple weeks when the Bears and uh, Packers square off on the Sunday after Thanksgiving on Sunday Night Football, Howard. That one could be uh, – that one could get ugly fast. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because one of those guys are going to have to play, and they're not going to mm. most likely be ready to play. And, and you know, that that's going to be tough. But, you know, hopefully, you know, they're going to be able to have a speedy recovery. I don't necessarily believe that that's going to be the case. But just know that one of those guys are going to have to run out there and uh, try to lead this uh, inept offense uh, up and down the field. Uh, let's try Bill, who's in Park Ridge, has a thought about the Bears. Hey, Bill, you're on ESPN 1000, the postgame show. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Just a couple quick questions for you. So I um, wanted to find out what your opinion was on the differences you guys see between the beginning of the year this year with this team and three years ago. There's a lot of uh, naggy talk and pace talk and stuff like that, but um, I, if my memory is correct, uh, Nagy was coach of the year. I know that's not something that's thrown around lightly, um, and I know the pace has been a, a huge issue, um, but a lot of the calls are, you know, naggy this, naggy that. Um, what do you guys see moving forward um, as the solution to the problem? Because what it looks like to me is the team that we started off with this year was equivalent to the team that we had three years ago in which we had a, a quarterback-coach uh, partnership that I think helped – that coach get coach of the year and within three years it was destroyed a lot of it had to do with media i think um poking and prodding and stuff like that but um you know to jd's point you know uh depth is an issue too so what do you guys think uh between this year and three years ago start of the season what are we looking at difference wise yeah bill thanks so much for the call i think what what happens is even when you go back three years ago, there, there's an expectation uh, of, of what a new head coach and a new player is going to be able to do for you. Um, and as time goes on, those expectations change. You know, the, the goal lines moved a little bit further. The expectations become much higher. You want to see more. And that's not always what's happened. And, and I think what you've ultimately seen from a from a coaching standpoint is there's now a book on Nagy as a offensive play caller. Uh, there was a book on your your personnel and these defensive guys get paid a lot of money too to go out and make those adjustments. And if you can't, you know, continue to to be creative and, and get the right personnel that you need to run your offense you're going to find yourself in, in the situation the Bears are in right now where it's and really not a lot they can do. I'll add to your point, Howard. I think one of the biggest changes from when Matt Nagy reeled off a 12-4 and four season, uh, an NFC North title in his first season as a head coach, he had Vic Fangio alongside him when he was a rookie head coach back in 2018. And everybody I've talked to over the years has raved about what Vic Fangio does not just as a defensive coordinator, but also as a defensive play caller. His ability to put his defenses in position to, you know, like really excel, I think, is second to none amongst defensive play callers in the game, at least right now. And, you know, I think you saw that it was never going to be repeatable, but what the defense did in creating turnovers and scoring additional points and setting up 
the offense to take advantage of very good field position at times was something that was going to be very hard to replicate in, you know, following years. But it was made even harder by the fact that Vic Fangio was able to, you know, be elevated and actually get a head coaching job of his own in Denver. So I think that is something that, you know, you were hoping that that Matt Nagy was going to maybe show a little more offensively. But I, I think that can't be underrated is how much of an impact Vic Fangio had for that defense in 2018. And Jeff, let's take it. I want to take it another step further, too. Mm-hmm. When you talk about coaching staffs, right? Yeah. Vic Fangio has seen it all. He's been on good staffs, bad staffs, in between staff. He's seen it all as far as interaction with the coaching staff. So he's also that kind of guy that can keep your entire staff moving in the same direction, even though he's not the head coach because he has so much experience. And, and, and I, don't, I think people kind of forget about that part of it, or it's not even – or there's not a lot of credit given to, you know, that glue guy is what I like to refer to him as. Mm-hmm. That 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 coach on the staff that can bring everybody together regardless of age or uh, what they've been able to do or success. And that's who Vic Fangio has been his entire career. And, you know, he's no spring chicken. So that's why I say he's seen it all. He understands staffs. He understands how to make staffs work. He also understands how to bring along young, new head coaches because there's a lot of stuff that he can take on and be able to whisper in the ear and say, hey, maybe we got to look at it this way as a new guy that's stepping into that position because, you know, you can say you're ready for for a head coaching job and and all of that, but if you don't have the people around you to to help you with through that process, you're going to struggle. Don't look now, but the Bears are barely in second place in the NFC North. We're taking your phone calls here on the postgame show, the Miller Lite Bears postgame show on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Miller, along with Howard Griffith. We'll take your calls. We'll talk about a Bears loss to the Vikings 19-13. to And we'll also hear from Matt Nagy before it's all over here until 12-15 on ESPN 1000. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite postgame show is back. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Four ticks left, no timeouts for Chicago from their own 20. And Ryan Nall in the backfield for Nick Foles. A lot of congestion in the pocket there. Foles is trying to get rid of it and nearly threw it right to the Vikings. It'll go as an incomplete pass. Jalen Holmes had his hand on it. You see Foles down on his back, appearing to be in a lot of pain. That's Put a bow on a very ugly performance tonight as the Bears lose to the Vikings 19-13 on Monday Night Football. Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick on the call there on ESPN. I'm Jeff Meller along with Howard Griffith taking your phone calls here on ESPN 1000. We're the Miller Lite Bears postgame show. We're here with you for two hours after every Bears game letting you sound off on what you've seen and for the last four weeks, as the Bears have now lost four in a row, it has been pretty similar in regards to the frustration that we're hearing from fans. I do wonder, Howard, after seeing Nick Foles leave the game on a cart, if some Bears fans at this point have seen enough of Nick Foles and would actually prefer to see Mitch Trubisky back under center after the bye. I mean, and I don't think that's, you know, 
a, a, an outrageous question by any means at this point. We, I mean, Nick Foles behind this offensive line does not seem like a recipe for success. No, you need somebody that has some mobility about them. Uh, yeah, it's great that he can get you in and out of uh, good plays and get you in the bad play. I mean, I'm sorry, get you in the good plays and out of bad. But, you know, he doesn't have a chance back there. I mean, they the defense knows exactly where he's going to be, and the mobility is an issue. Yeah. Yeah, it is rough. Let's try it. John, who's in Evanston. John, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, guys. Yeah, I was just going to mention that about Mitch. I think the defenses will not bull rush him because they realize that he's got the escapability to uh, make them look kind of goofy just by, you know, taking off wherever there's an opening. Another thing that Mitch can do that, that Nick has trouble with is throwing on the run, and he's pretty accurate that way. Um, uh, I, and it, it wouldn't take much for them to get Mitch ready because he, he's been in this offense for two years. So um, just, you know, refreshing things with him and whatnot. But, yeah, you know, at this point, I don't really think it matters who the quarterback is because whoever's calling the plays is just screwing this thing up big time. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather see Mitch back there because, of his escapability and, you know, maybe changing quarterbacks again might do something to this offense because right now, Mitch, you know, Nick stands back there with the football and like you saw tonight, so, you know, he, he got bombed and he got hurt. I mean, he won't. Yeah. And it was John, it wasn't the only time that he looked pretty bad. There were a couple, there was, I know one sack prior to that as well, where, he got taken down. Um, the pocket collapsed right up the middle on him, and he looked. He looked like he, you know, the way he went down, it looked pretty awkward. So, you know, just the lack of, um, you know, he does not have the mobility or the athleticism that a Mitch Trubisky has, and it, he does take some hits where it just looks ugly. Yeah, I, I, you know, one of the things just just sitting here thinking a little bit, I wonder how much the game has slowed down for Mitch with having an opportunity mm. to sit and observe and watch film uh, mm-hmm. if he's if he's had an opportunity to you know maybe take a step forward as far as he's concerned in, in his game and you know right now it, as bad as this offense is uh, I don't know why he shouldn't get another opportunity to to try to jump start this offense well, yeah, and, and, you know, especially if Nick is banged up at this point, you know, I don't want to see him out there trying to gut it out in a game against the Packers because, like I said, like it's already difficult to watch him. It's just if the plays, if there's any, if it breaks down at all, you really just are kind of like holding your breath like, oh, boy, this could be a disaster. It seems like every time, you know, and that's really what you don't want to see is a guy who has less mobility than Nick Foles Fol- has out there. It could be uh, – it could get pretty uh, pretty dangerous back there for him. Let's try uh, Mitchell and Desplaines, who might offer up a counterpoint to that. Mitchell, you're on ESPN 1000. Oh, I sure will, T. Howard and T. Miller. <laughs> Let me bring this to your attention, folks. This fairy tale that you want to go back to Trubisky, who can't read a defense. And by the way, he's no Vince Evans, for those that follow the Bears' history. Okay, oh, boy. number two, the idea... 
the idea that you think that he's going to somehow, you know, beat out uh, Aaron Rodgers in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a competition for more touchdowns, you're, you're delusional, all of you. Not you two, but, the, the, you know, the listening audience. The biggest problem that I have with the folks that you guys are talking about is that you're leaving out one basic component to this discussion. Nick Foles is like, is being cruel the way they're treating him. The fact that the Bears haven't addressed the offensive line is not Nick Foles' fault. He's a cerebral passer. And by the way, Anthony Miller dropped a beautiful pass in the downfield uh, uh, pass that uh, Nick Foles had. Trubisky can't, can't throw downfield. You had three years of watching him, and now you want to go go back and retrograde. You want to go back and retrograde Trubisky? Guess what? I hope you do it. I hope all you morons that are so stupid and lost in the sauce oh, with boy. you know Trubisky's going to be. You guys are a bunch of losers. The bottom line oh, is, oh Mitch, you, stop, <laughs> you got to get off your high horse and realize that he was the biggest bust since K. McNown. Number five. Four, whatever. The bottom line is this. You have to systemically look at the failures of Nagy and Pace, which I've been telling you week in and week out, about how they will not address the offensive line. They have no running game. And poor Foles, okay? Poor Nick Foles, cerebral Nick Foles, is a sacrificial lamb. And it's cruel what they're doing to him. And the bottom line is this, folks. We'll never get into a game situation where we become what I call a perennial division winner because you don't have uh, what I call uh, chief of states executives that can make what I call smart decisions. So guess what? I hope all of you get on. Which I uh, tr- uh, all right. It looks like we lost Mitchell there, but uh, go ahead, uh, Howard. Any uh, retort there? <laughs> Listen, I, I can understand if he's passionate for Nick, and, and that makes sense. But at the end of the day, there's no quick fix for the offensive line. So this is a result-oriented business, and if you're not getting it done, somebody else needs to step in and see if they can get it done. And the way this offensive line is, is constructed right now, it is not in the best interest for Nick Foles to be the quarterback. It, I don't think it puts him in the best position because you know where he's going to be. So it, when you have two quarterbacks uh, that, that are deficient in certain areas, you might as well have packages for both of them and, and try to see what you can get out of them, because right now you're getting really nothing out of you. Yeah, Mitchell, Mitchell, I don't think it's a – the conversations are mutually exclusive. It's not, it's not necessarily that Nick Foles is not necess- your, your, your better quarterback if you ha- – you know, in – uh, you know, a lot of scenarios, but in this current situation that the Bears have found themselves in, they can't just go and fix the offensive line. They have what they have. And unfortunately, despite his own shortcomings, Mitchell Trubisky might actually, you know, based on the fact that what you saw the first three games, and I know that Nick Foles came in and won that Falcons game, but but Mitch actually provides a little bit of an attack via the run and that's something that we've seen now completely go away because without Mitch Trubisky's mobility, teams, they, they get no push from the offensive line. So without Trubisky being able to break the pocket from time to time, they clearly have no running game. And I, I don't know how many times. It's, it's not just that they're not calling him. They're not calling him because there's no push, Howard. They have right. no, you know, there's no real full, true fullback on this roster to turn to to, to run the I formation for you. It's, that's not going to happen. Uh, and so they're in this position now where I think asking the question, you're five and five, 
And, you know, even though it doesn't look like they're sputtering and it doesn't look like they're a playoff team, they still have a shot to make the playoffs. And so I think Mitch Trubisky at this point is something you have to explore. I'm not saying it would make, you know, it's the perfect solution, but it might be a better one than, than, uh, you know, uh, uh, an immobile Nick Foles. Yeah. Maximize your roster. That's what yeah. they have to be able to do. Maximize the roster and, and, and see what they can get, you know, what they can make happen. Because in, in, when things start to turn this way, you know, you're going to have some players that all of a sudden may want to start, uh, well, maybe I'm going to be a free agent. Maybe I don't want to play behind this offensive line. Or maybe I'll just sit back and, and not give it my all. You find out a lot about your team when you start to, to have some of the struggles that this team is having right now. Let's head south to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Tennessee, and say good evening to Kyle. Kyle wants to know about the offensive line. Hey, Kyle, you're on the postgame show with Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller. Good evening, gentlemen. How y'all doing tonight? Good. Good. Not too bad. So, I mean, I, y'all, y'all have just been touching base about the O line. Um, I mean, obviously, I, Nagy and Pace. We need to figure out something with them. Castillo. It doesn't seem like he's providing a, a, a good enough training for, for or, you know, guidelines for the offensive line, but we don't have a good offensive line right now. But we've got, was $41 million tied up in Tariq Cohen and Nick Foles. We're not going to be able to get rid of them. So let's let's not worry about them and let's focus on putting money in this offensive line next year. I mean, are there any free agents we can go after? Can we try to bring back uh, uh, Kyle Long from, you know, I mean, he's he was just talking to Waddle and Sylvia not too long ago, not coming back, you know? I mean, yeah. what can we do about the O-line? Man, it's it's you have to first identify who, what you want to be as an offense, right? And, and right. then you have to go plug those players in. And you know, I, if you if you watch Fox and you know anything about Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer would tell you, "Tease blue in the face," that there are no bad players in the National Football League. My mm-hmm. counter to that is the issue is that you still have to – the good ones still have to be in the right system. Yeah, they're, they're all pros and they play at a high level, but if you, they're playing in the wrong system, they can't maximize their talent. And right now they're not in the right system, this offensive line, for what they want to do or need to do. And that's a problem, and it goes back to making sure, you know, you put your roster in a position to, to make plays and to be successful. And they're not they're not there right now. And I don't see anything changing until you either have a change at the general manager's position or you have a change at the head coaching position. Because as I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, I truly believe they're not on the same page. They can't be for what you know what they're doing the way this team is constructed. Yeah, and you want to see one of the uh one of the one of the few things that actually gets picked up in free agent free agency less often than a quarterback it's probably you know a, a left tackle like you know the truth is the bears have not invested a first round pick in a tackle not just a left tackle but a right tackle a tackle in general in over a decade now they did draft Kyle Long but he's the last offensive lineman that they actually invested a first round pick in and so you know you need to put some investment in that offensive line. Sure, it's nice to find a Charles Leno, and sure, it's okay to identify Bobby Massey as somebody you'd like to pick up in free agency, but part of the reason that Bruce Arians and the Cardinals at the time, when he was their head coach, moved away from Bobby Massey was because 
they needed they thought they needed to get better than Bobby mm-hmm. Massey. And and I think Bobby Massey's probably been one of their better offensive linemen during his time on the Bears. But they they just don't have any of the maulers that you need to, to get the push to, you know, establish a great running game. And Charles Leno, eh. I mean, he got paid a lot, but there he, he oftentimes I see Charles Leno get beat time yes. and time again, multiple times. And and I'm you know, I mean I know they paid him, but you can't just pay a few guys who you drafted in the seventh round because you're happy with what they did one season and be convinced that they're all of a sudden going to be, you know, all pro level that, that, you know what, you look through the history of um, elite offensive linemen, like the all pros, a lot of times they're taken in the first round. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, Dave Karimi was there, but, he had an injury. He had a back injury yes. that, that held him the, back. The he Bears, never, the Bears drafted Howard. Back. The Bears drafted the only Wisconsin lineman who did not pan out in yes. like the last twenty years. <laughs> and I thought he had a shot. He was really special as a college player, but the back injury uh, held him back. Obviously. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And so you know, it's it hasn't been just Ryan Pace in that regard. It's been yeah. you know the the uh, the general managers who preceded him as well who have chosen to you know. And again, yeah, it, fine. Maybe if you're I, I, James Daniels, there there you go. He, they they put a second round pick in James Daniels and they moved up for him. So that and he was you know he's been good when he's been on the field for the most part. So you know injuries have hampered them as well. But you know again, it wouldn't be terrible. Maybe this is the year, the one time when you're not drafting. In in the uh, top ten, when you have a you know quarterback hole, you know maybe you, maybe maybe what you do is you pivot and you say let's go ahead and look for that franchise tackle that we can set there for the next decade, and then we'll find our you know quarterback the next time we've got a crack at it. I don't know. It's you know we'll have to see. Those are uh, discussions for a later time. I still got a couple more minutes for our calls on the other side of the break. Here we will let you hear from Matt Nagy at the top of the hour as well. Howard Griffith, Jeff Meller here on the Miller Lite Post Game Show on ESPN 1000. A two-time Super Bowl champion. A two-time winner of the ESPN 1000 Fantasy Football League. And never mind. Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller. The ESPN 1000 Miller Lite Post Game Show is back on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I don't know if the Bears are shipping up to Boston for the bye week, but uh, I'm sure plenty of fans would love to ship a whole bunch of people from the coaching staff and <laughs> maybe the uh, the front office up to Boston or somewhere else. Just ship them out. That's how a lot of people feel right now. The Bears lose their fourth game in a row. This went to the Vikings tonight at Soldier Field. They lose 19-13. to And no, that touchdown was not courtesy of the offense. It was courtesy of Cordero Patterson on uh, the opening the second half opening kickoff kickoff return took that one to the house. That's about the only offense or the only highlight the Bears had really tonight. Uh, I guess there were a few a few defensive plays that uh, made you smile for a little bit there, but um, it's just such a, such a slog, Howard. You know that the defense is going to give you everything they've got, and it's it's a situation where eventually, when the opposition puts ten points or more on the scoreboard, like most teams do in the NFL these days. It's going to be damn near impossible for this offense to find their way back. The ESPN 1000 Miller Live Post Game Show with your hosts, Howard Griffith and Jeff Mallard. 
This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. Minnesota Vikings tonight, 19 to 13, in a pretty pathetic offensive display. Their only touchdown came courtesy of a kick return from Cordero Patterson to start the second half. The defense was pretty solid for the most part, created a turnover, had a sack or two along the way. And, um, you know, really, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson made some big plays when they needed to. They picked on Buster Screen quite a bit. That was the, uh, you know, the one link. We, uh, the one weak link in the Bears defense tonight that we saw maybe a missed tackle or two from Eddie Jackson as well. But on the whole, I thought the defense played well enough for the team to win. Did uh, Matt Nagy feel the same way? Well, let's hear what he had to say. Just start off, um, you know, big picture. Um, obviously, we struggled uh, mightily on offense and having the four three and outs. Um at the, in, the, in the second half, uh, we had field position. We couldn't convert on that in, in the red zone. Um, and so I just, you know, it overshadows how well I thought our defense played and the different sudden changes that they had, how well our special teams played. I was proud of those guys. So two out of the three parts right now are playing well. And um, it's, you know, it's been a constant theme for us. And, um, uh, you know, we, we uh, the field position to me is, has been a struggle to us this year. That was not the case tonight. So, you know, in these type of positions, when you get a chance, even at the end of the game there, to go in and, and get a touchdown and with them miss an extra point, an extra point wins it. Um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's been the same stuff over and over. Hey, man, I'm sure with everything going on offensively, the last thing you wanted to see was Nick get hurt like that at the end of the game. Um, obviously, uh, first of all, is, is he doing okay? Is there any update you could share with us? And kind of what's going through your mind as that's all happening? Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you take a step back and you, you just, uh, like you just said, you, you get a guy that's, uh, you know, we're all going through a lot right now. And then at, at the end, you get injured like that. Uh, they're still looking at him. You know, it was his leg or his hip. So I think they're still working through the details on that. I have not talked to him yet uh, in the in the locker room. I will hear after we're done and just make sure he's okay. I know he's uh, he's upset. Um, you know, it's just been, it's been frustrating. It's been hard. And that's the part that's difficult through all this because uh, no one wants it more than, than him to, to be out there to fight with his teammates. So we'll keep an eye on that. And again, it's uh, this buy is coming at a, at a good time for us. Uh, we're, we're a little bit beat up right now. So we need to be able to get some guys back and get healthy. Hey Matt, what, what can you do to make sure that this buy doesn't send your guys into a funk? Um, you haven't won a game in a month. Yeah. I know you're positive, but how do you stay positive? Yeah, no, by by just persistence over resistance. You know, we, we had we had uh, uh, some guys break it down uh, in the locker room at the end of the game there, and uh, I was impressed with what they had to say. And again, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but it just got, it goes to show the character of that we're fighters. And as hard as it is, and as frustrating, and we, like you said, you haven't won in a month. Um, you know, we we got to just keep using that persistence over resistance and just keep fighting and keep staying together. And eventually something here, you know, will hopefully change. And I think that's where, where we got to believe and trust and, and uh, keep playing for each other. Matt, to finally get some takeaways and then also a couple punt returns that gave you plus field position. What is your level of frustration and not being able to turn that into anything? Yeah, it's high. It's high, Dan, you know, because 
as you all know, uh, this whole season we've been we've been doing really well on defense. Um, we've been struggling a little bit with the field position. We're, we're letting teams kick field goals, not giving up touchdowns, and that's great. And that's what feels good. Um, but we, we weren't getting so many turnovers and takeaways. We really put a huge emphasis on that all week long. And, and to get those early on in the game and get the field position on those. And, and then defensively, you know, we've been challenging CP and these guys have been taking it to heart to get a, 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 a touchdown on a kickoff return and, he, and we got one. And so that's the part where, you know, that's frustrating is we do all that. We have field position and we still can't capitalize. That's the part that, um, the, the, the why part, you know? Hey Matt, do you know right now if Mitch will be available to you after the bye week? And then uh, second question, just what what was your evaluation of the offense from your position on the sideline this week, not calling the plays? Yeah, so I don't know yet about Mitch. I, I, I think there's, I hate this. I think there's a possibility, but I don't know that for sure. I think it's going to be day by day. I, I don't know if he knows that. So we'll just keep an eye on that. Obviously, with with uh, with Nick's status. Um, we'll have to see where that's at as we go, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And we'll, again, like I said, with the bye week coming at the right time, this is, this is when, when we would need it to come. And in my perspective, uh, from watching from the, from the, uh, from the sideline is I thought we had a couple good drives in the first, uh, half that we didn't capitalize in the touchdowns, which I got to go back and see, watch the tape. I know on the one third down, they brought cover zero and, um, you know, we missed the, the one route. Um, but what I, what I felt today on the sideline, I felt that we struggled on second down. I felt that second down was not good to us where we might get four or five yards in the run game, which has been a lot better than what we've been doing in the run game. And it's put us in at times second and four and second and four was turning into sec- third and five, third and six, third and four. And we weren't capitalizing on, on those down and distances. And, and so that to me is what it felt like. Uh, in particular in that second half. Matt, you weren't sure how you were going to feel coming onto the field knowing you weren't calling the plays. Can you just talk a little bit about the emotions that you felt and then how that changed as the offense continued to struggle and you really couldn't do anything about it? Yeah, so um, initially it is so new to me when, when I'm going out there and just understanding that, um, you know, I'm not calling the plays. And, I, you know, what it does enable you to do is see some different things that you don't see when, you know, from in between plays or, or maybe it's right after a drive, a team's coming off the field and you're looking for somebody to talk to or congratulate that you're able to do that now where I wasn't before it, it was different. Um, and it took a little bit for me to get used to, but then I kind of felt comfortable in that role and, and, and was feeling it. Then you get down kind of into that fourth quarter when you know, it's, it's 19 to 13 and, you know, we were struggling a little bit with some of those drives, but that just comes down to, to that trust, right. In, in this, in this moment and understanding being able to help as much as possible. And, um, like I said, I, I didn't want to, I did not want to, um, make Bill feel like I was on his shoulder the whole game. And I didn't do that. I, I he just went and played. And so it was different for me, certainly. Yeah, Matt. Uh, with regard to the uh, the switch into uh, to uh, play callers, did 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 Bill calling plays? Did that in effect kind of throw you off your game a little bit, or did it just seem like it was a detriment? What did you? What impact do you think that had making the switch as you did? No, I don't think so. I think you know this has been something that for us has been going on, um, you know, most of this season, and 
you know, we're just trying to get to a point to, to let the, the reason, the reason why, why we did it right. Why, why we ended up doing this last week, like we said, or the beginning of this week was, was just because we felt like we were, you know, struggling to get into that rhythm and we weren't taking advantage and, and we weren't scoring touchdowns and we just, you know, we, we were, but we were scoring them too late and we weren't getting touchdowns on the front end. And so I think you could see it, you know, obviously it was, it was repetitive today. It, it was still happening. So um, not only for the players health right now, but for us as a coaching staff, um, we need to make sure that we're, we're really honestly going back now and, and saying, okay, you know, what, what's going on and where are we at now that we have some time to really see. And, and then the other thing that's important too, guys, is I think that when you get into these bye weeks, it's very, very important to talk to your players as well and just really find out, okay, we have this, this final part of the season and we want to turn things around and get input from your players. What's their suggestions? What's their thoughts? And then you kind of take that and figure out what's best for your, for your team. And that's what I am going to do as a head coach and as a guy on offense. I'm going to find out a lot from, from our players. I'm going to talk to them individually. A couple more for Coach Jason Leisure. Uh, Matt, two questions for you on Foles. Uh, it was a jarring scene to see the cart out there and the entire team. Did you get a sense right away this was a very serious injury? And secondly, he was seemed like he was running for his life and getting hit all night. Were you holding your breath, hoping that something like this wouldn't happen? Yeah, so, you know, when I got out there right away, I wasn't sure what it was. I didn't know if it was like his ribs or his shoulder or what. And then when I saw the amount of pain that he was in uh, on the ground, I, I, you know, I hope he's okay, but, you know, he was in a lot of pain. And he, he's, he's, a tough, he's a tough dude, and he was in a lot of pain. And when you see that, you're down there with them. Um, you feel for them just because you know uh, you don't, or you don't know how, how good or bad it is. So that that part's hard. Um, again, the you know the protection and where we're at was with you know getting the ball out, quick game, getting the ball out, and scat protection, getting the ball out with with you know max protection. That's something that we once again got to look at and make sure like you know, where, where, where are we at right now? And, and how are we doing this? And, and uh, you know, all that. Well, it certainly didn't sound extremely encouraging around Nick Foles and his injury, but at this point, uh, Matt Nagy mentioned not being able or scoring touchdowns too late in games when they were scoring. Well, they solved that problem tonight by not scoring any at all, Howard. So um, I don't know what we're going to go do going forward. All I can tell you is that uh, we have a week off next week to kind of mull it over and um, watch some actual football around the league and not be fettered right now with the Bears uh, uh, game in week 11 because we all, I think, need a little bit of rest after as we uh, enter this bye week with uh, four straight losses for the Bears. It's been tough, but the bye week has come along, and now maybe they can get back to the drawing board and hopefully be able to figure this, figure some things out. But at least we'll get some time off to get away from the Bears a little bit and, and as you mentioned, watch some real football. We'll see uh, what they come up with. But uh, until then, we'll take a break for a week. We'll be back on Sunday night, the Sunday night following Thanksgiving when the Bears go to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers. It'll be another late one, Howard, but uh, we'll have Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth to uh, get us set to do yet another 
Miller Lite postgame show here on ESPN 1000 as we do after every Bears game. Sounds good. All right, we'll do that next time. For Howard Griffith, I'm Jeff Miller. You can follow him on Twitter at Howard Griffith. I'm at Jeff underscore Miller. That's M-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks so much to our producers, Eric Ostrowski and Tyler Aki, for making us sound good tonight. We'll talk to you again soon. Cap and Jay Hood up at 7 a.m. tomorrow.